we finally know who's putting hats on pigeons. Is there really a movie that can kill you simply by watching it? Are Buddhist priests starting to look a little too much like a little Buddha statue? And finally, we travel to Canada to meet a man who believes that the aliens are up to no good here on Earth. In fact, they're going so far, they've become weapon dealers here on Earth. Today on the season finale of Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of, not just any episode, it's the season finale of Dead Rabbit Radio. Season 8 ends here. It ends now. That's a, I don't know why the crowd's cheering. That show's going on a hiatus. We're going to take a week off. Next week we are going to have our week of classic episodes. So there we go. Stick around and then we'll have more stuff the week after that when season 9 starts. I want to give, I've been giving some shout out to longtime Patreons. We're going to continue that trend today. Love me some pickles. Love me some pickles. Thank you so much for supporting the Patreon all this time. I really, really appreciate it. Love me some pickles is going to be flying the Carpenter Copter, and we're going all over this episode. So, first off, let's fire that baby up, pickles. We are headed to Vegas. Now, this is actually a quick follow up to a story I did a couple weeks ago. Last year, actually, which is a couple weeks ago, six weeks ago, they I did an episode about pigeons being found with cowboy hats in the city of Las Vegas. We know who it is now. It's Putin. Putin is a group called Pigeons United to Interfere Now. And basically, they recently had the um, Democratic debate over there in Nevada, and a bunch of pigeons showed up with MAGA, a bunch of pig, pigeons showed up with MAGA hats, and one of them had a little wig. And there was some weird video released about it. And reporters are like, whoa, whoa, so are you like pro-Trump? Are you anti-Trump? And they're being really coy about it. But yeah, so they're the ones who were doing it. Was It was probably a test run to see if they could get a bunch of MAGA hats on pigeons. But there you go. That's the follow-up to that story. One, I do have to say one cowboy hat-wearing pigeon has died since the time I originally did that story. Because... You know, birds kind of have to see what's above their heads because what's above their heads are bigger birds that are going to eat them. Cowboy hat really obstructs your visions. A lot of humans aren't worried about pterodactyls coming down and getting them. They don't have to look up all the time. But that's also why they don't allow cowboy hats at construction sites, right? So one pigeon has passed away, and then now there's a bunch of pigeons wearing MAGA hats. And apparently... They're gluing them on with eyelash glue, so it like wears off after a certain amount of time. But any amount of time to block a flying uh, animal's vision is, is is bad. So, but there's a follow up to that. It was a political performance art group, is the way I would classify it. They probably aren't for or anti-Trump. They're probably just for art, for art's sake. But unfortunately, a little pigeon died. I I remember once. I was telling someone about this story, this follow-up, and I said, yeah, one of the pigeons died, and they went, uh, I guess people don't like pigeons. I don't mind pigeons. I don't mind pigeons at all. But anyways, my view on pigeons is not notwithstanding. We are now leaving. Pickles, fire that carpenter copter up. And I know a lot of you guys are now married to a bunch of hookers and strippers because we were here for five minutes and you already fell in love with someone. They're invited on the carpenter copter, too. It's the season finale. Let's pack this thing up. 
on board. Pickles is like, dude, there's a weight, there's a weight limit, but we are all flying off now to Thailand. And in Thailand, and maybe in other Buddhist countries, but in Thailand specifically, Buddhist monks every morning they wake up, they're like, oh. Now, they get their, that's all they do, they just yawn. They get up and they get their clothes on, their robes on, and they eat by getting food from the locals. And so by giving food to the Buddhist monks, you're getting good karma for your family. Which sounds like a racket, honestly. I mean, it's no different than tithing, which honestly, that's kind of a racket too. But it's an idea that, like, basically, I don't want, I don't want to work for food. I don't want to work, but I need food to survive, so I will pray for you if you give me food. And so the monk walks down, basically is a protection racket. Ah, nice family you got here. It'd be horrible if they got reincarnated into something really, really ugly. Yes, yes, let's get you some. Let's get you some burritos. <laughs> so anyway, maybe I'm going to become a Buddhist monk. <laughs> I could really work that magic. Buddhist monk walks down the street and he has an assistant there, right? And because he gets so much food. It's not like you just go up to one person's house and get a Hot Pocket. Like, you hit up a neighborhood. Ah, nice uh, flower bed you have here. Might be some of your reincarnated relatives. It'd be horrible if I stepped on them. No, 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 no. I'll go get you some lollipops. <laughs> I'm glad I've turned Buddhism into the equivalent of the Italian mafia. Walking around with baseball bats. Just smashing, just smashing uh, spirits. Reincarnated, I don't know, windows. Psh, you, you're, you were reincarnated as sand and then you were fused into this window. No. I don't know how reincarnation works. But anyways, I wonder if you can be reincarnated into sand. So... That is a question I'll look up later. So anyways, these monks are walking down the street. Yeah, give me some food. So anyways, the people gladly give them food under duress. And they have an assistant who has like a bag and the food goes into the bag. And sometimes I guess they'll probably just eat it there if they make them soup. They're just going to throw that in the bag too. It's like, oh no, my chocolate candies are all ruined by all this soup. Anyways, yeah, let me get to the actual story. So the monks in... Thailand are getting really, really fat because the people are giving them for two reasons. One, the the they the monks can't say, "Oh, you know what? I'd really like is some chocolate." They can't say that. They have to take whatever the people give them. So you're like giving them you're giving them food. You know they're allergic to. They're all. Ugh. I have to. It's part of my religion. But um, they have to. They don't have to eat it, but they have to take it. You don't have to give them, like, garbage. They're like, oh, great, banana peels again? Oh, man. Garrar. No, they're not allowed to request certain food, but people say they make it known that there's types of food that they like. Like, you're going to do that, right? And so the one guy likes sweet and sour soup. He's going to be like, hmm, I, I heard your your loved ones crying out in pain last time I sleep, but if you gave me some sweet and sour soup, they might get reincarnated quicker and in a place nearby you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anyways, the problem, <laughs> all these jokes. The problem is, is that the priests are getting fat because, one, the people are giving them a lot of prepackaged food that tends not to be super healthy. Two, after, I believe it's noon, after two, they can't eat one of those two, one of those two times. They can't eat anymore. The monks have to not eat for the rest of the day. 
So, but they can drink energy drinks. So you have a bunch of monks, which is so funny because you just imagine monks being like, "Om, om." But but imagine um, imagine trying to do that on eight Red Bulls. Well, you'd be dead. You wouldn't have to imagine it. You'd be reincarnated as something else. But just two Red Bulls, om om om, like you wouldn't. Your brain would be messing up. But anyways, so they drink a bunch of energy drinks, a bunch of sugar that keeps them going, but it's making them fat. And they wear such big gowns. I guess they're not going around <laughs> They're not going to a cantillion. They wear such big robes that they don't notice they're getting fat. Now, in Thailand, they have a big obesity problem. It's the second fattest nation in the world after Malaysia. Now, I'm reading facts here. One third, you can tell the tone of my voice changes. One third of Thai men are obese and 40% of women are obese. But when you look at the monks... Almost 50% of all monks are obese. 40% have high cholesterol. 25% have high blood pressure. 10% are diabetic. It's a crisis over there. So what they have to do, they're telling monks, okay, first off, cut off the sweets. Um, Exercise a little bit. They told people to start walking around the church every day. But that's not going to help. And those are all helpful tactics you eat less exercise more but they're still wearing the big gowns so what they've actually had to do is they take these ropes now like the monks always have these roped belts now they tie and you can't tell you just tie the, the tie the rope right now they have knots in them so you could be like uh-oh i only got two knots left before the ropes out must be getting fat so the government's actually trying to tackle this and they are telling people please stop giving them prepackaged food but if I have to prepare something every day for a monk, I'm I'm just going to give him a couple of Oreos. Like, that's just the reality of it, right? I'm not going to make him scrambled eggs. But I guess if I wanted to be blessed, I guess if I wanted good karma, I should take care of my monks. I shouldn't have monks dying of diabetes on my doorstep. There's just a bunch of left legs that have been am- amputated. Okay. There's just a bunch of, like, feet. Cut. There's just a bunch of feet hanging out on my doorstep. People are like, gross, Jason. What's going on? I'm like, well, the monks keep coming and they have diabetes and their feet fall off because they have such long robes. They can't tell that their feet are all like rotting and stuff. They obviously have no pain receptors or sense of smell. And they walk up and I give them a couple Oreos. They take one or two bites. Feet fall off. I mean, what am I supposed to do? It's outside my house. It's not my property. Slam the door. So there's that story. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully um, these monks lose weight. Losing weight is always a great way to feel better. So if that is your goal, it's a good good time to get started on that. Maybe this story is a wake-up call. And maybe you don't have to wait for your next life to be healthy in this one. Or what's a better way to do? Maybe you don't have to wait to be reincarnated to... Never mind. You guys get it. If you want to be healthy, it's Time to lose weight is what I'm saying. And I'm on that I'm on that journey too. It's not, I'm not just not just bagging on you. I'm only bagging on the bullet cut. And and so yeah, they are t- and let me wrap this up without a disgusting foot joke. The, the basically they're saying, guys, you are spiritual role models. You also gotta be physical role models too. So if you're nice and slim and fit then maybe the people you preach to will go, oh, they know how to take care of their bodies as well as their spirits. So, And that's true. That's true. So hopefully the monks drop from 50% obesity rate. That's insane. And that that's obese. 
That doesn't count all the overweight people. That's probably another 25%. There's probably like one slim monk there who's like chilling and they're all making fun of him. They're like, bony, bony. He's like, no, I'm going to be reincarnated as the strongest man in the world. I want to beat you guys up. (laughs) He's running away. They're all bony, bony. They're eating his food. So I just, for legal reasons, I do not believe Buddhist monks are the Italian mafia. Don't sue me. Uh, Buddhist religion. I hope Buddha doesn't show up himself, come down as an avatar, and he's like, oh, so I heard you were uh, dismissing my boys. And and I'm like, no, sir, he's breaking my legs. Okay, that's enough of mocking one of the biggest religions on the planet. Let's go ahead and move on to a movie I found recently. Now, it's funny because on the YouTube channel, I know a lot of guys go back and listen to the podcast episodes way back. A lot of times... You, you start listening to podcasts, you really enjoy it, I really appreciate that. You keep listening to it, and then you start going backwards, like Sabine does. She listens to one new episode, and then like one or two older episodes. But on YouTube, it's really easy for people just to kind of type in a topic, find an individual video, and comment on it. And those people, I don't know if they've ever listened to another episode, so I don't know if Lindsay Harrison's ever going to hear this, but... Long, long time ago, in like season two or three, I did an episode of like, what's the scariest movie ever made? It was a thought experiment. I, I was like, don't tell me about The Ring, or don't tell me about Serbian film, or nothing like that. My question is this. Is there a movie made that is so, like, infused with dark psychic energy that watching it kills you? And I, and I said, I don't think the movie exists, but as a thought experiment, I think it would probably be made in the 70s. I think it would have these sort of qualities. It probably was made outside of the studio system. It was most likely made, I think I said, in South America or maybe Germany or something like that. But uh, that's an interesting episode. I didn't take the time to, to look it up. But um, what it, 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 what's the scariest movie ever made? It's kind of a thought experiment. Now, a lot of times people have commented on the YouTube video and they're like, well, it's this movie, it's that movie. In most of those movies I'd either seen or heard of, well, recently, Lindsay Harrison commented on that video. She goes, oh, I know the movie you're talking about. It's called a- Antrim. Antrim. It's a movie that kills you when you watch it. Now, obviously, my curiosity was piqued, and I looked it up. Now, this is a, this is a Dead Rabbit Recommends, is what this is. Because Antrim, it won't kill you. I watched it the other day while I was playing Minecraft. It won't kill you. But... It's a very, very well-done horror movie. There's definitely disturbing. It's not gory, so it's not like, oh, look how dark I can be. Stab, 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 cut your face off type stuff. It's Here's the concept. It, it starts off as a mockumentary. It starts off with these people saying they have found the fabled movie known as Antrim. It's only been screened twice. Once it was screened in Budapest, there was a fire in a theater in Budapest and killed everyone in the theater. I tried verifying that. I couldn't find any proof of that. There was another showing in America. It was some, like, cult movie house. Everyone gouged their eyes out. It was super spooky. And ultra-realistic blood was shooting out. So that's the concept of the thing. You have, like, these talking heads saying, this movie supposedly does this stuff. And then the movie starts, and there's this little warning saying, if you watch this movie, you may die. Very big, it doesn't kill you. Very big, like, publicity stunt thing. The, and that's maybe the first ten minutes. The movie itself, Antrim, is is really good. It's actually a really good movie. And they do have some creepy, like, flash 
sigils pop up, and that was more distracting than anything. But I thought the movie itself, the plot was interesting. There was some absolutely kind of disturbing images that stuck with me. And you'll know what it is when you see it. Uh, People in reviews have said, I was very unsettled during that particular scene. And then later on, they're like, that scene. And and when I read that, I was like, yeah, that's the scene I thought they were talking about. It's a very interesting movie. I really recommend watching Antrim. It's definitely a movie that, even though I was playing it, watching it during the day, playing Minecraft, it's a movie I think you would, I enjoyed it in that setting. I think you would enjoy it. I think I would have enjoyed it more at night, watching it with full attention, but even barely paying attention. I want to say barely paying attention to it, because Minecraft's such a minimal mind game. Um, I still really enjoyed it. I'm definitely recommending it to you. You guys are like, Jason, don't Quit recommending movies that you watch with one eyeball while you're digging in a giant cave or a mine. It's not cavecraft, it's Minecraft, but quit recommending movies that you don't... This is just how I watch movies. This is how I watch movies, and it's very rare when I have the time. Evil Within was a movie I highly recommend if you haven't seen The Evil Within. I started watching that playing Minecraft. I watched maybe 20 minutes ago. 20 minutes of it, and then stopped playing Minecraft, started the movie over again, and gave it my undivided attention. It's rare when I do that. It's rare when I have the time to do that. You're like, Jason, you don't really need time to play Minecraft. And I say I do, good sir. I have to de-stress somehow. Let's go ahead and move on to our last... Thanks, Lindsay, for letting me know about that. Let's move on to our last topic of the season. Love me some pickles. Fire that copter up again. We are headed to Carp. Ontario. Now you're going to have to hit that stealth mode. Pickles, take us low. Because we are headed to an area, a contested area, you could say. Who controls this little piece of Ontario? Is it the Canadian government? Is it the American government? Probably, because we're awesome. Is it aliens? We'll find out. November 4th, 1989. It's 8 p.m. Several people in the area are kind of going about their business, washing dishes, watching television, watching television with one eye, playing Atari with the other. They have two TVs pressed together. And they see a bright light in the sky. They also, in the darkness, start to hear helicopters. Cattle's like running around. It's like breaking out of the gates. The next day, a farmer said he had to wrestle up all his cattle. Put him back in the gate. Something spooked these boys, he said. It's an exact quote. It's not. But anyways, people didn't really think anything of it. Ah, UFO sighting. I mean, yeah, that's kind of cool, but like, could have been a meteorite, could have been something else. It wasn't until UFO researchers started to get packages that the mystery really began to unravel. And in this package, there was a story written from a man who only went by the name Guardian. And this is what made UFO researchers start to look back at this date. Otherwise, it was just like a bright light. They didn't know how to classify it. November 4th, 1989, in Carp, Ontario. According to Guardian, this is what happened. So the Canadian military, one day, they have their radar thing. They pick up a globe. Flying over Carp, Ontario. They're like, we don't have a globe. Do you have a... America, do you have a flying globe? And America's like, nope, we want one, though. That's probably a UFO. We're going to start scrambling our forces. And then all of a sudden, 
The globe falls out of the sky. Canada's like, you better get here quick because it's already crashed. Come on. Military music. Americans getting their guns ready. They already have them ready all the time. We're completely armed. And I love it. Put all the bullets. Lock and load, guys. We're going to Canada. They take two Apaches and a Blackhawk up to the area. Now, this crew is specifically trained to deal with non-terrestrial encounters. These Apaches are flying. Now you get why we're in stealth mode, because these dudes are loaded for bear. Each Apache has eight missiles containing something known as Vexon gas. It's a nerve agent that kills on contact. And what they want to do is they see this smashed orb in the ground. They fire their rockets. But they make sure they fire them 10 meters downwind from the craft. Now, Vexon gas dissipates after it gets so far. If you're 20 meters away, you can breathe it in. You'll be totally fine. We're 21 meters away. I'm testing fate. But... The aliens aren't. The spacecraft is right in the middle of it. So they launched all 16 rockets. You had eight rockets per Apache. Ten meters downwind. And then once they believe the Vexon gas has taken effect, the Black Hawk lands. Go, 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 go. Troops get out. They attach a bomb to the side of the craft. Clear. Blow a hole in the side of this vehicle. Get inside. Aim in stuff. Three dead aliens. They're not making noises. They're dead. Three dead aliens are in this craft. We got another one, boys. We killed these dudes from another planet. They're doing high fives and stuff like that. So, they stay there all night long. They have a little camp out. They brought, who brought the marshmallows? All these special forces fighters. They're like burning the body of an alien. They're roasting the marshmallows over them. Mmm, this is delicious. Tastes like Alpha Centauri. The next day... A moving crew shows up. Not just moving crew. It's not U-Haul. The next day, the military shows up with these giant moving vehicles. They cut the vehicle up, throw the pieces onto the moving trucks. Because it was big. It's huge. We'll get to that in a second. They drive it to this place known as the Defense Research and Development Canada. Which, I don't know why it's... Shouldn't it be Canadian? Oh, it doesn't matter. It's in Canada, Ontario. Canada, Ontario. They take them there. And also the aliens were basic gray aliens. They they refer to them as reptilian, but I think that was in reference to the skin. The um what Guardian called them referred to them as the reptilian fetus headed beings. Were listed as class one NTEs, which is a non terrestrial entity. Uh, uh, continuing with his quote, like others recovered in previous operations, they were muscular, gray white skinned humanoids. So standard Gray alien, just a little more buff. They've been hitting them weights. So, when they take it to this place in Canada, Ontario, the DRDC, as we'll call it, they begin to reassemble the ship. Now, you might think it's stupid that they took it apart in the first place, but they did have to transport it. You couldn't transport a giant globe going down the road. People would get suspicious, right? Plus, they've done this before, so they knew how to put it back together again. But when they put it back together again, it fits perfectly in place. It's almost seamless. And they, they're they popping around inside and they notice something here. There's 50, 50 nuclear warheads on this thing. All of them from the Soviet Union. Now, apparently, 
I'm going to tell you two things. You decide which one's dumber. This is the first one, okay? This is the first one, according to Guardian. And they... Actually, no, no, no. I'm going to save that one because that one's definitely dumber. The other one they... So they found 50 nuclear warheads. The other one they found was they found two one millimeter around spheroid little, you know, little balls, little implants, right? And they look at these and they're like, oh my god. Because the scientists knew exactly what these were. They'd seen them before. What it is, if you stick it up your nose, not your nose, if you stick it up someone else's nose using extremely low frequencies, you can actually turn them into mind slaves, turn them into zombies. It's basically everything that MK Ultra ever wanted to do, where you'd have a mind control subject. You can do it without having to psychologically break someone down and build them up and break them down and build them up and all that stuff and have it maybe not work. They might just go insane. Just stick something up their nose, right? So they find two of those. The first thing they find, let's go back to the first thing, they find 50 nuclear warheads that according to sources, according to the one source, they were stolen from a nuclear submarine, a Soviet nuclear submarine. And China got them somehow. So either China stole the submarine or the submarine commander sold them to China. Because this is towards the end of the Cold War. Everyone's just trying to get out. Soviet Union is collapsing. Everyone's trying to get their money. Possible China got a hold of the missiles themselves, just took the warheads. It's possible that the sub commander gave them or sold them, most likely sold them. It's not like, here, China, I love you so much. Here's 50 nuclear warheads. But China, in turn, goes, well, what are we going to do with 50 nuclear warheads? I mean, other than bomb other countries. So this is, they were able to access the alien computers, and this is what they found out. China and the gray aliens have a partnership. The aliens want to develop biological weapons in Syria, and the Chinese want to go into Syria. So instead of just, you know, getting a travel passport and seeing the sights of Syria, the Chinese government works with the gray aliens, and, and they said, uh, grays, we need to get these 50 nuclear bombs into Syria without dropping them in there. We want them delivered there. We want Syria for whatever reason, to have control of 50 nuclear bombs. If you fly these over to Syria for us, because, you know, we can't put them on a cargo plane. China famously has no, like, shipping companies. They're not able to ship stuff across the world. Stuff that's made in China is just there. And if they only had some way to, like, export all of their goods, they'd be a they make a lot of money, but they just build iPhones and then they just put them on a conveyor belt and they go into a garbage can. They, they can't get stuff off of that continent. It's a tragedy. So if only there was some way they could move 50 nuclear warheads from point A to point B. So they contacted the gray aliens somehow, right? And the aliens said, we will do this for you. We will transport 50 nuclear weapons on our ship. Only if you let us hang out in Syria and develop biological weapons. And China goes, oh, yeah, totally. We, we're totally in control of Syria as their eyes shift from side to side. Oh, yeah, we know that plays really, really well. We go there all the time. So apparently, according to Guardian, this spaceship was on its way to Syria to drop off some nuclear bombs where they were going to meet the Chinese people and start doing biology. That might be one of the dumbest alien conspiracy things I've ever heard, ever. 
heard. We've done a lot of stuff. Actually, no, I almost refuse to cover it. When aliens talk about saving the environment, I make more jokes about it. I don't think I've ever actually covered a a sighting like that. I hope I haven't. I'll be embarrassed if I did. I think that's really corny. But this this takes the cake because one Oh, how do I even begin to dissect this? Do I even want to? First off, China doesn't need aliens' help to move a bunch of nuclear weapons, too. Using a UFO to smuggle nuclear weapons is like... I don't even... That is such a bizarre thing. I don't even know if there's a comparison to it. Three, why would aliens want to go to Syria to test biological weapons? You could do it much easier in Africa. There's much bigger swaths where there's no nobody paying attention. And if something gets loose and 100,000 people die, they're like, ah, it's just Ebola. Eh, whatever. Like in Syria, it's we're right next to Europe. People are going to freak out. But anyways, anyways, the this is apparently this plan. Hey, well, I don't know why I'm arguing with it. It was found on an alien's computer. Like, really, can I debate this? So, now, I also should say that this vehicle isn't just any standard UFO. It was classified as a starfighter. It was heavily armored. Had laser guns on it. Beam weapons is what they called them. Now, it wasn't that heavily armored because a bunch of uh, special forces threw some C4 on it and blew a hole in it. I'm pretty sure that Thanos has ships that do more damage than that. But anyways, apparently it's a starfighter, heavily armored, all that stuff. Smuggling Russian weapons into Syria. This was all said by a dude named Guardian. Now, at the time, people thought the story was really intriguing, but it's quite obscure. It's very, very obscure. But then this dude ended up on Unsolved Mysteries. It got super popular in the 90s. So in that same area, on August 18th, 1991, in Carp, Ontario, there's another sighting. A UFO lands in that same location. So were the aliens looking for their downed craft? Were they trying to figure out what happened to all their crew? Who knows? But they came down to the same location, and Guardian not only gets video footage of the UFO landing, but video footage of a great alien at the scene. He gets the video footage of the alien walking around. Now, a local woman goes, that's funny because the same day that this footage apparently was taken, I saw a UFO fly outside my house. My dogs went out to chase it. They're barking, they're barking. I had to bring the dogs inside. And on the video of the UFO landing, you hear dogs barking in the distance. So some people believe that, yes, this video was taken at that same night. And whoever took that video most likely knew something was going to happen to this location. And so Guardian says, I got a tip. The aliens were going to land here. And I came out with my camera. And I recorded it. And I recorded this gray alien. And then you got this woman kind of verifying it, saying she saw a UFO around the same time. And people have watched the video footage and they go, oh, I don't know what it is. Like, that could be a UFO. It could be nothing. It could be a fraud. And for a lot of people, that's enough. Just not being able to say that's fake. Having any sort of doubt is enough to think, oh, it might be real. And so he sends these packages out again. And like I said, this video is aired on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. But this time, unlike the first time when he sent off the packages, this time there's a thumbprint on a piece of tape that's used to attach the packages down. They're like, this is interesting. So maybe we can actually find out who this guy is, if it's legit. Now, some people eventually found out there is a guy... Living in the area, friend of the witness of the second encounter in 1991. He's living in the area. His name is Bobby Charlboys. He's a UFO enthusiast. He's a local. He's been known to go by the alias Guardian. 
And he refuses to give his fingerprints to see if they match the package. Now, that's fair. I'm not going to make a guy give his fingerprints out to every every guy who's like, give me your fingerprints. You're like, yes, sir. Like, that's fine. He can refuse to give out fingerprints. So, case closed, right? We know this guy is a UFO enthusiast. That doesn't necessarily mean that the story's not true. The story's probably not true. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the story's not true because the person who's reporting it is a UFO enthusiast. I mean, you can be both a whistleblower and like the thing you're blowing the whistle on. Like, I would never be a whistleblower on the oil industry. I don't know nothing about the oil industry. I don't care. Or, like, cheating in football. It's like, I don't even watch football. How can I be a... Like, if someone told me, like, all these secrets about the NFL, I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay. And then just, like, go about my business. I wouldn't feel the need to go tell people. It's most likely this story's made up. It's most likely that this UFO enthusiast, this guy's really in UFOs, made the story up. Because the details don't add up. The reason why I enjoy the story is it does give another layer to the human-alien interactions. We hear so much about governments making deals with aliens. Like, the America's made a secret deal with aliens. Or the world's made a secret deal with aliens to get technology. We get Velcro and they get humans to abduct. It's more... And that's dumb. It's more likely that aliens would make individual deals with individual governments. And you would it would basically be the ultimate spy game because you would be trying to figure out what the other nations are getting out of their deals with the extraterrestrials and it would be like almost everything is up for grabs it would be really bizarre because america could go okay we want this technology aliens go done we want to be able to abduct x number of people and you're really not going to investigate it done but then china can go we don't care about the technology we want to destabilize the middle east we want to be able to move in and start doing, making moves over there. Done. We want to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, you, you can abduct a bunch of people. We don't care. We abduct a bunch of people. Hey, man, we'll show you some tricks. Chinese government's like, hey, dude, we'll show you really how to abduct people. Oh, thanks. So that's an interesting wrinkle to the whole thing. I think there's, what, like 280 countries? That's basically 280 different alliances that can be made. And everyone would want a piece of the extraterrestrial's pie. Whether it be the technology, whether it be the knowledge, whether it be just revenge against another group of people. I find that idea fascinating. This particular story with the nukes, I don't believe. But I like the idea that things like that may be going on behind the scenes. I read recently once, I forgot where it was, I'll I'll try to pull it back up, put it in the show notes. I read recently once that gray aliens, their obsession with the planet Earth, is because they were here first. That we're the interlopers. The same way that humanity evolved to take the world away from the dinosaurs. At some point, the gray aliens were here and then either moved on or were pushed out. And their obsession with our planet, when there's so many other planets available, not only in the solar system, but throughout the galaxy, is that this is their home. And it's funny because that is a very human way of looking at things. How many conflicts do we have on this planet over I was here first? I mean, you'll see school kids have that have those conflicts. I was sitting here first. And then we have entire nations go, no, 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 this is mine. India, Pakistan, this is mine. Kashmir, this is mine first. And if that's the case, all of the treaties, all of these things they're making with these alien governments, we, uh, we'll abduct people, we'll give you technology. You let us build these bioweapons in this area. We'll give you, we'll move stuff for you. We'll be your middleman and all that stuff. 
Their end result isn't to abduct people. Their end result isn't to build these weapons. Their end result is nothing but the utter extermination of the human race. If these theories hold out. What if the reason, I know I, I, know I harp on this all the time, but what if the reason they are really pushing us for us to save the environment is because we're messing it up, but we'll mess it up to a point and we will evolve to deal with it. That's what humans do. What if we're going to mess it up to a point where they can't? What if we simply evolve faster? And I'm not necessarily mean biologically evolve, but socially evolve. What if we go, oh, we lost 10 miles of coastland on every continent. Just moving a little bit. Oh, we can grow grapes in Norway now. You know, Now we'll have a new vineyard out there. The climate change doesn't affect us as much. The humans are survivors. We're basically born from an asteroid collision as tiny little mammals and have conquered the planet. Maybe that's the most threatening thing to gray aliens is our versatility. That is, waters keep getting polluted. We're just like, ah, just drink a cup. It won't, it'll give you a little, make your tummy hurt a little bit. But aliens can't do that, and that could be their obsession with the environment. I could be reading it wrong. I think longtime listeners in the show know I think that aliens suck, but... I think that if aliens do exist, I think they are most likely hostile. Just because any species that enters into another species' domain is hostile. If an iguana walks into a snake pit, they're not going to have a good day. One of them. One of them is done. So did we enter the alien snake pit or did they enter ours? I guess it doesn't matter who was here first. I guess it matters who can hold it. Who can hold it for the longest? Who will be the last man standing? That's the ultimate question. Because right now it may be behind the scenes, power brokers, meddling in countries' affairs, doing the bidding of one human against another and the whole time plotting their worldwide revenge. All of that stuff can go on. But once the first bombs start dropping, once the first trigger is pulled, once the human-alien war truly starts, then we'll know who has the power. And in that moment, will humanity unite like an Independence Day and fight back the alien oppressors? Or will generation and generation and generation of alien meddling in our politics, in our societies, and in our belief systems pay off? Will we be so divided among each other that while the aliens are shooting us in the street, we're pointing our finger at our neighbors and saying, this is your fault. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Thank you so much for an amazing eight seasons of Dead Rabbit Radio. I will be back in one week for a brand new season nine, whole new episodes. Have a great one, guys. I love you.